Hello and welcome to the Pokey TCG cast. I'm Alex and this week I made cupcakes. Some delicious chocolate cupcakes with cream cheese frosting. Now, my frosting is a little bit rubbish. Not the actual frosting, but the technique of frosting. And definitely need a lot more work on that. But hopefully in time I'll have some very delicious looking cupcakes. Now, aside from the cupcakes, though, we had the Toronto Regional Tournament, and apparently this is one of the largest tournaments that Toronto has held with 558 Masters, which is kind of interesting to see that not many people are willing to travel to Canada. But again, this is sort of expected, given that not as many people are necessarily willing to travel and are more likely to play in tournaments that are a lot more local, so... The further away a tournament is, the less people that are going to probably show up. But on the other end of the spectrum, though, pretty much everywhere that I've seen from people that attended this tournament definitely enjoyed it and had a lot of fun, which is good to see, given that a lot of the decks that I'm about to report on don't seem all that special. So just to give you the numbers right off the bat... There were 11 people that played Buzzrock decks, 4 people that played Zoropod, 3 with Vikabulu, 2 that played Zoro Garbodor, Zoro Lycanroc, Zoro Gardevoir, and Singleton for decks that played Straight Gardevoir, Espeon Garbodor, Zoro Lucario, and Ho-Oh Salazzle. Just looking at the results for this tournament, the first thing it tells me right off the bat is that Buzzrock is definitely going to be the best deck in format, and it's going to stay that way for a while, given that right now, just the top cut, it scored one-third of this tournament, and has held high percentages of playability in pretty much any previous tournament that it's been available in. It's been the biggest points earner for this format, and probably the one alarming thing is the fact that this deck gets better in Forbidden Light with cards like Deancey and Beast Energy, where even though it's only a couple of cards, the fact that it gets more tools just to make it better than it already is makes it kind of scary. Now, honestly, Buzzrock, I think, is just kind of here to stay unless some cards that get printed are just strictly better than Buzzwool, or even strictly better than Lycanroc. But otherwise, I think this deck is going to have a very long-lasting place in the format, given that even with decks like Espeon Garbodor that almost try to straight counter it, the fact that at this tournament, those decks aren't even good performing, meaning that its straight counters don't even do necessarily the best job of countering the deck is also kind of alarming. The fact that a lot of X have either teched in Mewtwo's, Mews, and Mew EX's to combat Buzzwool, they more or less just give themselves a better chance at fighting those decks. But at this point in time, it kind of looks like that those tech cards just make it a more even matchup. Because otherwise, having cards that, you know, trade for one prize even though they're hitting weakness with all of the same available attacks that those decks normally play, unless there's some other psychic card that does close to the same thing, ensuring one-hit knockouts on Buzzwool for minimal energy, 
which at this point minimal is more likely to be something that costs maybe two, one, or no, no energy at all. Because even with Mewtwo having a two energy attack doesn't always ensure one hit knockouts. Mew, I mean, unless you're playing something that allows you to do a hundred damage for a single energy, which I don't think is going to pop up on basic Pokemon. So honestly, at this point, we're just looking for kind of a stupidly broken card to really put Buzzwell in its place, which I don't think is something that Pokemon intends on doing at this point. Now, there's obviously going to be other cards that they could print, but the most obvious card that I can think of is going to be somewhat similar to what I just described. Maybe not needing to deal 100 damage for a single energy, but Psychic-type dealing 70 damage for a single energy is probably going to be the best that we can hope for. So if people want to start looking for something like that, that's probably going to be what is able to really throw matchups in your favor against Buzzwell Lycanroc. Now, a different change, though, for this format is the fact that Zoroark Glycopod, or Zoropod, was the next best-performing top-cut deck, given that it got four top 32 spots. Because, honestly, I don't think I've seen a tournament since the release of Buzzwool where Glycopod Zoroark has been able to garner so much success. So the fact that this is the deck that's kind of helping to combat Buzzwell Lycanroc is really interesting, and I definitely want to watch more gameplay to see how this deck is able to handle Buzzwell Lycanroc, or if it's just using Mewtwo and Mew EX to actually combat it efficiently. But at this point in time, I'm not necessarily knowledgeable on the matchup between Buzzwell Lycanroc and Glycopod Zora work, so I don't know how it necessarily plays out that allows Glycopod Zoroark to win if they're just relying on bad luck and bad draws from Buzzwell Lycanroc, or if Glycopod Zoroark actually stands a fighting chance. So I'm going to have to take a look at some of the video replays from this past weekend. Now what's the most startling to me is the fact that next rep most represented in Top Cut deck was Vikavolt Tapubulu, Vikabulu, with three decks. And Honestly, a lot of people are still swapping between Bridget Builds and Kikabulu, and even though from what I can see, the Vikavolt builds that were present at Toronto were just standard Bridget builds, I still think that people are missing out on being able to perform better with the decks just by switching to Kikabulu variants, running Heavy Nest Ball, Heavy Sycamore with Lily... Because honestly, with my experience in testing the deck, even though the Bridget variant seeks to conserve resources a lot more than Kikabulu variants, Kikabulu in general just is able to more consistently set up with its game plan. Honestly, though, I think that we might see a little bit more representation of Kikabulu at Worlds, as it might be getting a couple of good cards in upcoming sets. Uh, Particularly in Champions Road, it looks like that Rayquaza GX would be a really nice addition to this deck as it was recently announced and seems to fit in pretty well and really helps 
give them a strong attacker that conserves resources at its the Rayquaza GX that was released, or rather announced, requires a grass, a lightning, and don't have any energy for its attack, and it deals 30 damage for each energy that's attached in play. So although it might take a little while to set it up, if you get a couple of Volt up, it becomes a very strong card, as a couple of Volt would be able to accelerate well, 60 damage a piece, meaning that you could kind of out of nowhere, especially with Rayquaza's ability, which discards the top three cards of your deck and attaches an energy from your discard pile to it, means that you can set up a Rayquaza out of nowhere, dealing up to 210 damage out of nowhere, including your attach for this turn, meaning that this becomes a very aggressive attacker when you get more Vika Volts set up. So hopefully it gets released in time for Worlds because I'd love to see some Vika Bulu variants with Rikuaza storm the scene. Although there's definitely going to be a fair share of Buzzwell Lycanroc that's going to show up because fighting weaknesses sometimes hurt. And so being able to knock out your Vika Volts very reliably does make the matchup a lot harder. But again, not being forced to discard your energy to be able to trade with Buzzwell Lycanroc does make Rayquaza a very nice addition to the deck. So we might see variants switch from even being Vikabulu to Vikavolt Rayquaza, which would also be equally fun to watch. Now, another thing that was present at this tournament is the fact, or rather, that there was a lack of Volcanion making day two. And so at this point, I think this very much is the nail in the coffin for Volcanion. I don't think that it will be able to show up and perform well in tournaments anymore, mostly because it's too hard to hit damage numbers that Ho'Oh hits just as easily, and its startup is not as aggressive as Ho'Oh It does also help that Ho'Oh does have a resistance to Buzzwell, but I don't think that's going to be enough coming up after Forbidden Light's release as Buzzle again gets a slew of cards to help bump up its damage numbers, meaning that I don't think there's really anything that's going to be able to survive it unless you're a 250 HP Pokemon with a fighting resistance, which is going to be very far and few between the fact that it also has to have good matchups against the rest of the metagame. Honestly, I was a little disappointed though to see the results of this tournament, because even though there's a decent spread of different decks, there wasn't really anything outstanding. The fact that there wasn't even a Duskmane Necrozma deck, there weren't any Sylveon, there weren't any Hoopa, no Glaceon, none of those decks. And the fact that the most out-of-meta calls that were showcased, so to speak, in this top cut were Vikabulu, which has been present in a lot of top cuts at the last several sets of tournament. Ho'Oselazel, which also has been a one of or two of in a lot of these large regional tournaments, and Gardevoir, which also has been present. So the fact that pretty much everything in Day 2 that showed up at Toronto were decks that have already made Day 2 in the past on a fairly consistent basis, I mean, it really shows that the metagame is due for a shakeup which I'm glad is going to start as of this Friday. So 
hopefully after this Friday we can see a fairly good shakeup metagame because otherwise it's going to be a long haul to Worlds and honestly I think a lot more people are just going to stick with the safe deck of Buzzwell Lycanroc if the metagame doesn't shake up a whole lot which honestly won't make this metagame a whole lot more fun anyway. Now what's probably startling the most is the fact that even though Buzzwell Lycanroc is still performing well, still a large share of the metagame. It's really surprising, though, to still see a lack of Espeon Garbodor. And I think this might be due to a couple things. One, I don't think there's too many people that really like how it runs. I mean, the way that I've played the deck, it seems at times a little bit clunky, as you're really relying on being able to get Espeon out, allowing it to survive hits, and taking two turns to be able to power up to combat Buzzwool. But honestly, I think the big reason why Espeon Garbodor isn't performing as well as it did in the previous state of this metagame is the fact that Buzzwool players are a lot better equipped to be able to deal with Espeon Garbodor. For starters, Garbodor wasn't really the big thing that was holding a good matchup over Buzzwool Lycanroc, given that Buzzwool on its own doesn't really rely on abilities, and for the most part, the big damage hitters in Espeon Garbodor are going to be Espeon or the Guardian's Rising Trash Alarge Garbodor. And so because of that, the Breakpoint Garbodor with Garbotoxin isn't going to be the significant card in the matchup. But there's also a couple of other intricacies that have developed out of this metagame, though, that have definitely bolstered Buzzwool Lycanroc's power. For example, a lot of decks are running two Mews, and people are switching to having more choice bands, and so in this way, Buzzwool Lycanroc is teching a lot more. Well, not so much teching, but building their decks in a way that they're more likely to deal more damage with choice bands, and playing more Mews that also take a significant hit against Espeon and Garbodor, giving them another good attacker, which are mainly in place, though, for the mirror match. Another thing that's happened with this deck is the fact that Buzzwell Lycanroc is getting some better setup builds, given that a lot of people are still just going for straight three per hills, which means that the parallel cities that people were playing in their lists are getting removed entirely, which does help for a more consistent setup. The fact that their max elixirs are getting a lot more reliable as people are playing lists with about 10 basic fighting energy, which is definitely up from the 8 or 9 that people were playing before. So essentially, people are being able to set up Buzzwell Lycanroc a lot more efficiently and a lot more consistently. And the fact that these decks are becoming the primary variants now means that once Forbidden Light hits, it's going to be very difficult to deal with a Buzzwell Lycanroc deck being very consistent. Now, with Buzzwell Lycanroc kind of slated to be a strong deck for as long as it's possible to build with, hopefully there are decks that are going to be available that will be able to compete with it. And I think Ultra Necrozma Malamar is kind of the deck that we need to help shake up the format with Forbidden Light and really make way for maybe even some other decks. But we'll have to see if that deck is going to be consistent enough 
because if it isn't, then it just means that we're going to have a puzzle like rock dominated metagame up until the next reset releases, which is going to make this, as I said earlier, a pretty long three months. As this means that our metagame composition is going to be fighting decks, mainly Buzzrock, Zoroark decks, and with a splash of Garbodor. And the fact that fighting Zoroark and Garbodor is a generalization that was able to hit pretty much this entire top cut with the exception of the one Ho-Oh deck, the one straight Gardevoir, and the three Vikabulu kind of shows that this metagame is definitely due for a shakeup. I want to thank you all for tuning in this week on the Poke TCG cast, and I hope to see you next week.